You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. So it's so good to be with you all this morning. And particularly, can we give a really warm welcome to those that are joining us online? So those in the room, let's give them a cheer. It's great, um, as I said, to be with you today. Today we're um, continuing on with our um, focus on 1 Thessalonians. We've called it Future Focus. Um, so what we're looking at today is 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 12. And here in this part of 1 Thessalonians, we're moving from focusing on the Thessalonians' experience to instead the story of Paul's early interaction with the church. So we're going to be looking at how he related to them and some ways in which he describes that. As you'll see from when we read the scripture together, um, there's quite a bit where it seems that Paul is kind of defending himself or talking about how he dealt with them really well and how he had integrity amongst them, that he was not concerned about um, getting things from the church, but uh, instead giving to them. Um, I want to highlight that because I'm not actually going to spend too much time focusing on that aspect. So you'll see that as, as we read through um, the text. But instead, I want to focus on the aspects that tell us about how Paul grew the church despite strong opposition. And I say Paul here, but really it's not just Paul on his own. It's Paul with a team. Um, so if I mention Paul, I'm talking about Paul the Apostle, one of the um, early church who uh, spreads particularly the gospel to those that were non-Jews. But also, he wasn't just on his own. He was working as part of a team. So we're going to look at two things this morning. We're going to firstly look at um, sharing the gospel. And then two, we're going to look at um, bringing those that are new believers into a family. Okay, so they're the two aspects we're going to look at this morning, so you can kind of see where we're going. The first is the gospel, and the second is being brought into family. Okay, we all there? Great. Um, let's read uh, the text together. So this is, uh, we're just going to read the first part, and then we'll look at some later bits uh, in a little while. So it says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts." You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or for anyone else, from anyone else, sorry. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. So you can see there, there's this kind of... Uh, concern that he wants to show them that he dealt with them well but the thing that struck out to me when I was reading this passage was a couple of things but particularly to do with the gospel 
And the first thing was if we, uh, that he says, with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel. Clearly at this point, and he says quite um, obviously in, in this letter, that he, he's facing opposition when he goes to um, Thessalonica. You know, it wasn't easy for him, but he dared to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them. And this kind of idea of being um, helped by God, um, the the original language talks about um, God emboldening them. You know, so they are um, made courageous, made confident, made bold by God um, to speak the gospel of God, which I think is really interesting when you think about it, that it's God himself who encourages them and strengthens them to share the message about what God himself has done. You know, God is really invested in this. You know, God is invested in the good news about what he has done, unsurprisingly. The other thing that stuck out to me when I was reading this was it talks about Paul being entrusted with the gospel. And if you think about that language, that speaks about something that is valuable, You know, when we're entrusted with something, we're given something that is valuable, something to be um, taken care of, to to see and to recognize how worthwhile it is. Um, If you think about it, if you were to, so I was trying to think what example could I use, Um, probably the most precious thing to me are my children. So I was thinking if I was to ask someone to look after my kid, I would entrust to that person, their care, you know, and that, that's a, a really important thing, isn't it? That's not a small thing to do. Um, and you think about God has entrusted Paul, but he's also entrusted us with the good news about himself. Let's just stop there a minute. You know, God himself has entrusted us with the good news about who he is, what he's done, and that he wants to draw people to himself. Isn't that incredible? Now, if I was God, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't think about entrusting me with it. But he has done. And, and it's a valuable thing. So what I want to do before moving on to the next part of um, Thessalonians uh, that we're going to read today is to just dwell a little bit on this gospel. You know, what is this gospel? What is... Um, this valuable thing that Paul has been given, but also that we have been given. You know, it's interesting because there's not a huge amount in 1 Thessalonians that details or talks about the gospel. Um, It does say uh, that the Thessalonians turned from idols to the living God um, and that they've been called into his kingdom and glory. So you can see a little bit there, but 1 Thessalonians is one of the earliest, we think, um, letters that Paul wrote. And so what I want to do actually is turn in a minute to uh, one of his last, potentially, letters that Paul wrote, where he's clearly spent a lot of time reflecting um, on these things and what it means, uh, the message that he has to share. And there's, you know, there's lots of images and lots of ideas in the New Testament that talk about um, the good news, that talk about what it means from us to turn from other things to God and all the consequences of that. But I want to focus on just one idea today, um, and that's reconciliation. That's quite a long word, isn't it? It's not the easiest to say, reconciliation. Um, 
But it essentially means when two parties, two people, um, have kind of fallen out, <laughs> that they're not in good relationship with each other anymore. You might even say that they could be enemies. But when they're reconciled, they're brought back together. They're brought into good relationship. Um, they're brought back to being friends um, and maybe more than that. And this is the type of language that Paul uses when he talks about, our, um, talks about the gospel and what's happened to us. So I want to read from um, Romans 5. And I'm going to read a, a reasonable chunk um, what I'm not going to do after that is necessarily unpick everything that it says. But I, what I want you to do as I read it is just allow it to kind of sink in. You know, allow it to kind of encourage and inspire. You know, these are the things that God has done for us. So Romans 5 it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I mean, I love this passage in Romans 5. It's probably one of my favorites. And if we just think about it, it's telling us about the peace that we have with God, the grace that we have, you know, grace, that favor that we don't deserve, that God sets his face towards us, that he 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 looks towards us and he, he promises goodness to us because of Christ. That we're loved, you know, even when we were enemies of God, we were loved. That we have hope and hope of glory. That we've been reconciled to God, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Christ has done. And that not only is Christ's death significant for us, but his life is that we can be excited that we can trust that we will have um, the benefits of Christ's life in us too. What an amount of amazing um, truth and good news that we have. You know, we sometimes, I think I do, I take it for granted. I get so used to the fact that I can approach God, that I can have a relationship with God. But what an incredible thing that God has done, that he has reconciled us to himself because of Christ. But then Paul goes on in another letter to talk about how he sees his ministry. And again, he uses and he talks about reconciliation. So if we go to 2 Corinthians 5, and this is verses 17 to 21. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is the new creation, or the new creation has come, sorry. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, we've got more things there, you know, new creation, that our old life can go, our new life can come. But also Paul talks about him being a minister of reconciliation. You know, and actually, that's our job as well. When we talk about being, or part of when we talk about being entrusted with the gospel, it's actually to be a minister of reconciliation, to be someone that holds out their hand to someone else and says, come, come and meet God. Come and be friends with God. Come and enjoy relationship with God. You know, you don't have to stay far off. You don't have to be distant. You don't have to look at this God and think that he is against you. In fact, our message is one of uh, care, of love, of bridging um, those divides and those distances. It's one of reconciliation, of being brought together. And I was trying to think, you know, it is that image of, you know, you think of two parties and we might know God and we hopefully do know God. And so we've got that relationship with God and we can, we can enjoy that and we can have the benefits of that. And we can rejoice in it. But actually, there's lots of people that don't know God. And our job is not to stay and to enjoy our relationship with God, but it is to go and to hold out our hand to people and to draw them towards him, to say, come, come and be part of this family. Come and be part of who God um, has called you to be. You know, it's our ministry. And also, like Paul we have to be daring sometimes, don't we? He talked about how he had to be emboldened by God to share the gospel, you know, in the face of opposition. It wasn't necessarily easy for him to do that, but he saw the value. He knew that God had commissioned him to do that, and he knew the immense value of what it was to share the good news of Christ um, with others. And I, I have feel challenged by that, you know, that that I need to have the same boldness. I need to have the same courage um, to share with others um, who God is. And it's not always easy. Sometimes there can be opposition. But if we recognize the value of what we have in Christ and that he's entrusted us to share that with others, then hopefully that can encourage us. And also to know that like Paul, we can be emboldened <laughs> You know, we can be encouraged by God. We can have the strength of God to speak about him in different situations. So that's stage one, um, is Paul shares the gospel. But what is stage two when he's with the Thessalonians? Well, he kind of changes tack here and he starts to talk in different kind of language. And he starts talking about being brought into a family. And he uses two images. The first one is about being a mother. 
Um, and the second one is about being a father. So we'll just read the first uh, couple of verses that talk about being a mother um, or being like a mother. So he says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So here we've got an image of a, a nursing mother, a mother that is caring for and investing in her child or her children. You know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, it's a bit like Paul saying, we didn't do a kind of hit and run. We didn't come in and go, bam, here you go, here's the gospel. Great, you now believe it, we're going to run off and go to the next people. He actually stayed with them, he, him and his team, he cared for them, he invested in them. And he talks about not just sharing the gospel, but sharing their lives as well. And here it, it says kind of the word is like soul, suke. It, it, it means kind of just like the very essence, the very depths of being of someone's life. Um, so there's a real intimacy there. You know, this image is one of, um, yeah, real intimacy, real care. You know, that it's not just people are brought into the faith, but actually as a church, um, we're to care for people. We're to have um, intimate relationships with them where we share our lives with each other. And it's interesting to me that he uses the image of being a mother. You know, Paul was never a mother. <laughs> he didn't have children. Um, I've had the privilege of being a mum. I am a mum. Um, I've got two girls. And, you know, actually, being a nursing mother specifically is really hard work. <laughs> it's really costly. You know, it's a privilege, of course, to be a mother, and it's a delight. Um, but one of the things that I did not anticipate when I had my first child was how much my own selfishness would confront me. <laughs> you know, I was, if, when they teeny tiny um, and you know you're feeding them through the night you're being woken um, by a, a, a crying child and say screaming sometimes they are screaming sometimes they're crying um, you know crying child and you're exhausted and the last thing you want to do is get up and feed <laughs> you just like I just want to sleep but you realize that you've been entrusted with this little life you know, particularly if you're a Christian, you think, God's given me this little life to care for. And you have to get over yourself. You know, you have to get over the fact that you want to sleep and you just have to give yourself to this baby. It continues after that. You know, I can't, it's a while before you even get to go to the toilet on your own, you know. You know, there's things that you just don't get, um, you know, as a mother. But I think it's important to think about this image, you know, to share our lives with people in such an intimate way. It can be costly. It can be painful. It can mean that sometimes we have to let go of ourselves. It means sometimes we have to choose the other person, you know, that the other person might come first or should come first above our needs. 
it can be inconvenient. You know, we don't always want to be interrupted. We don't always want someone's life to encounter ours. You know, ours is all right, thank you, but I don't want to deal with your mess. And actually, that's not what the church is about. Here we see an image where Paul says, we came and we cared for you like a mother. We shared our very lives with you. We're called to do this. You know, we're called to do this for each other. And this is not a gender thing. This is not about females only, this mothering idea. This is a a church body thing. This is something that we all get to do. You know, we all get to care for each other in this way. It may be that there's people that are new to the faith, or it may be that people are just going through difficult situations at different points in time. And God might bring those people alongside you. You might find that you're having conversations with someone and and things open up. And I guess the challenge for myself and also for all of us is, you know, are we open to that? Are we open to sharing our lives in real meaningful ways with other with each other or do we just kind of give a nice message do we do a hit and run <laughs> you know a nice message and then kind of back away and i think the challenge that we see from paul and the, the others that went to to uh, thessalonia is that they they open their lives you know to each other and I want to encourage us to think about that today, that we, we get the privilege of doing that. The second image um, is one of a father. So we have in verse is 11 to 12, it says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So we have a bit of a different image here. This is not one so much about um, intimacy and care, though I think that's there too. Um, It's one of encouragement, you know, saying, go, go on, you can do it. Spurring each other on. Maybe one of challenge as well. Urging each other. For what purpose, though? The purpose is that we might live lives worthy of God. You know, this God who... Um, has called us to himself, this God who has brought us into his kingdom and his glory, that we might live lives worthy of that. We're encouraged um, to encourage each other, you know, to, to, to be the body. Again, this is not about um, any specific type of person. This is about all of us um, encouraging, comforting, urging each other on to live lives worthy of the God that we serve. I mean, I want to just think about that for a little bit. The fact that we can talk about mothers and fathers in the church. You know, I'm very, very privileged that I had an amazing, or still do, (laughs) I say had, um, still do have an amazing mother and father. You know, they're incredible. um, But not all of us have that experience. And so actually, as a church body, there might be people that need someone to come alongside them in a motherly or a fatherly manner, you know, to come and to, to walk with them in something. And, and we each might need that at different points. It might be that we've moved, you know, we don't live near our family. Um, we've moved for work or we, we can't, um, 
easily uh, meet them if they, we, you know, if we've got good family that we're close to. And there might be times where we need others in the church to come alongside us and be like our extended family. And talking of my own mum and dad, I've seen um, just them year on year with different people be <laughs> a mother and father figure to others, not just to me and my sister, but to others that needed it. You know, to those taking people uh, into their home or helping them out with things or, you know, when things went wrong for a particular individual, not giving up on them, going and visiting them in prison, you know, that type of thing really getting alongside people and I could name you know a handful of people that they've really journeyed with not just for a, for a little while but I you know people that I can see over the course of those individuals lives that they've stuck with them you know they've cared for them they've been there for them and wouldn't it be amazing if we were known as that as a family of people, you know, as, as Catalyst Vineyard Church, that we're known as people that, that are a family to people properly. Not just we say it, oh, it's great to be part of a family, but we actually, we care for people. We walk alongside them. We're, we're willing to be that, that mother figure that cares intimately at points and gets messy. <laughs> I mean, fathers do do that as well, don't get me wrong. Um, or that father figure that says, come on, you just need that bit of encouragement. You can do it. Go on, let's go. We need to be that for each other. And God's called us to be that for each other. And what a privilege it is to be that for each other. And then, as I said, that's not, again, about a, a gender thing. It's not even about an age thing. You know, we can do this for each other. And as we do that, we obviously, hopefully, we encourage each other to live lives that are worthy of God and worthy of, uh, well, we're just worthy of the one who's called us, which is amazing to think that that could ever be the case. And hopefully as we do that, we enable each other to, to, to be able to minister to others too. You know, we can strengthen each other in the body so that we can continue to go out and meet people in the world that are struggling and that we can draw them um, to the God who can meet, meet them and meet their needs. So that's kind of what I wanted to share with you today. Firstly, about the immense value of the gospel that we've been entrusted with that we have the privilege of not only knowing this for ourselves, but sharing it with others. And that also we get the privilege of being part of a family and being able to encourage each other. And I think as we do this, or if we, if we were like this, um, I think this is how God, or at least it shows Paul, found God growing the church. You know, if we want to see God growing um, the church, his people, then firstly, we need to speak to people about him, of course. But secondly, we need to care for people well. And we need to help them with, you know, on their way with whatever that might mean for them. So maybe you could just have a little think right now for a couple of minutes about, about those things. Do you need more courage to share the gospel? Do you need to know more about what this good news is? You know, have you 
um, heard what I've been saying today and thought, actually, I'd like to know a bit more about that? Or have you been in the family for a while? And has God brought someone alongside you? Who is it that God is asking you to care for, to invest in, to spur on? How do you feel about that? <laughs> do you feel frustrated that it's a bit inconvenient? <laughs> or do you feel excited that God might help you um, help someone grow in him? Let's pray. God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God who has reconciled us to yourself. We thank you that you haven't chosen to keep us as enemies or at a distance, but you have acted in Christ to bring us to yourself, that we might be your friends, that we might walk with you, that we might know you intimately. And Father, I pray for those that don't know that yet. God, would you show them, would you speak to them and show them that you want to be um, close to them, that you want to have relationship with them. And God, we pray for those of us that have known you, whether for a little while or for a long time. Father, help us to see how we can care for others how we can share our lives with others. How we can open our hearts and allow ourselves to be um, let go of and the other to be preferred. And help us see how we can encourage and spur one another on to live lives that are worthy of you. Amen. <laughs>